Almighty God, to you all, hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Jesus said, the first commandment is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. As we prepare to celebrate the mystery of Christ's love, let us acknowledge our sins and ask the Lord for pardon and strength. Most merciful God, I confess that I have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what I have done and by what I have left undone. I have not loved you with my whole heart. I have not loved my neighbors as myself. I am truly sorry, and I humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on me and forgive me, that I may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. The Almighty merciful Lord grant you absolution mission of all your sins, true repentance, amendment of life, and the grace consolation of his Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy.
connection right now. I sense uh, God's calling us to. I don't know if that means you need to be on your knees right now, or if you need to lift your hands way up high, kind of like a child would do, asking their parents to pick them up. surrender right now you want to take. The Lord's just inviting us into that this morning. He's calling us to go deeper and um, there's some of us that maybe feel like, man, I, I need to get it together. I need to do A, B, and C. You don't. You just need to ask your Father for help. You just need to hand it over to the Father right now.
You know, I don't know about you, but this has been such a incredible Lenten season for me. And uh, I'm just so excited every Sunday to get here. See what God's going to do. See what God's going to say. See the people he's going to touch. Just to see the changes in lives. And I see just looking in the faces of my friends. Lord, we just thank the people. Thank the people as we go through this process. That, Lord, we just reap. desire what you promise, that among the swift and various changes of the world, our hearts may surely there be fixed, where true joys are to be found. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Glad to see this army is just bigger and stronger. Oh, and I'm throwing stuff around. I would ask all of you, if you would, to reach out your hands and pray for me, for these young warriors. Heavenly Father, we pray for each one of these young people as they come forward that you would constantly be in their hearts and minds, strengthening them, Lord God, giving them courage and wisdom all the days of their life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. And you too. Good morning. Our first reading is from Ezekiel, chapter 37, verses 1 through 14. The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out of the Spirit of the Lord, out in the Spirit of the Lord, and set me down in the midst of the valley, and it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around, and behold, There were very many in the open valley, and indeed they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, O Lord God, you know. 
Again he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Surely I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise, and suddenly a rattling. And the bones came together, bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them over. But there was no breath in them. Also he said to me, Prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived and stood upon their feet, an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed say, Our bones are dry, our hope is lost, and we ourselves are cut off. Therefore, prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up from your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. Then you shall know that I am the Lord, when I have opened your graves, O my people, and have brought you up from your graves. I will put my spirit in you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, says the Lord. The word of the Lord. This morning's psalm is Psalm 130. Please read responsibly at the asterisk. Out of the depths I have cried to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplication. If you mark my iniquities. But there is forgiveness with you. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. My soul waits for the Lord. O Israel, hope in the Lord. And he shall redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, it is now, will be forever. Amen. This morning's New Testament readings comes from the book of Romans, chapter 8. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, 
The body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. The word of the Lord. chapter 11, beginning in verse 18. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away, and many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Now Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Lord, yes, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. The Gospel of the Lord.
talking today about the cross. So it's only appropriate that every reading today was about the resurrection, right? Because you can't preach the cross minus the resurrection. It doesn't work. You may run out of time to say the resurrection, but all of you need to be thinking this entire sermon, yes, and Jesus rose from the dead. Amen? So as we head towards the cross, next week, of course, is Holy Week, where we have our services that dramatize it. We have our passion readings. We have our Monday, Thursday service where everything blacks out. We hold on to the hope of the resurrection, right? What that does is it gives you permission to enter your cross, right? It gives you permission. It gives you the hope and the faith to walk into the place that God's inviting each of us to. Because there's a real sense this Lent, as God has been showing up, that he's asking us to lay down things, to reevaluate our life and our heart, to clear the space because he's coming. I know for a fact that, at least in my life, there are many things that I've been praying for, I've been believing for, promises that I've had that in the past few weeks have uh, looked a little bit less likely than they might have before. It just seems like... Things are harder on the external than they have been in a little bit. But when I walk into this space, all of a sudden my faith level might also be growing. And I'm just making a comment that what's been happening in my heart this Lent, and I hope in your heart, is God has been showing me more of His love, more of His conviction for change, and that has been giving me faith to believe in His purposes in my life. So if you get nothing from what we've been talking about, know this, God does it differently. Because Jesus' promise is you will be the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the name above all names, and all day today, we're going to watch him walk the path that it takes to get there. It's not what you might have guessed. It's exactly what we know because we've been raised Christian, but we need to remember how scandalously ridiculous The cross is. How unbelievably tragic the cross is. How much pain and suffering Jesus went through. We often, because we're very comfortable Christians, (laughs) who have never once been threatened with martyrdom, we approach the cross like, oh yeah, it's a cute teaching of Jesus' good love for us. How nice is it that Jesus would die for our sins? I hope today that we can enter in a little bit more deeply to the story and say, Oh God, you came bringing life 
and we killed you. You came to embrace us in our sin, in our darkness, to raise us up, and we crucified you. That's the weight of the cross today. And you really, I just, it's, I was, as I was reading it, it was hard to write this sermon because I almost just wanted to read it and just leave it because it's so, it's so, um, what's the word? It's awful what happens again and again. And I was just feeling the weight of it. And I, I want, I'll leave it there. We're just going to dive into this, right? Because I, I hope that you get some of the weight of what's going on in Jesus's. I can't imagine what Jesus is thinking and feeling during this is what I keep thinking. I can't imagine if my best friend betrayed me, my religious, like let's say this church called for my death, my nation uh, crucified me. I can't imagine the, the levels that he goes through and the pain that he's experiencing. So let's Let's talk through because there's a lot here for us. Mark 14, verse 43. We're picking up the story from where we left off last week. Last week, Jesus says, rise, my betrayer is at hand. And now we pick up the drama of Monday, Thursday night as we go into the trial here. And it says, immediately, while he was still speaking, Judas came, one of the twelve. And with him, a crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. Now the betrayer had given them a sign saying, the one I will kiss is the man. Seize him and lead him away under guard. And when he came, he went up to him at once and said, Rabbi, and kissed him. The poetic injustice, right? We always talk about poetic justice. The poetic injustice of your close friend embracing you, not only embracing you, but calling you rightfully teacher, rabbi. And that is the sign by which Jesus is betrayed. And they laid hands on him and seized him. But one of those who stood by drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. And Jesus said to them, have you come out against me as a robber with swords and clubs to capture me? Day after day, I was with you in the temple teaching and you did not seize me, but let the scriptures be fulfilled. And they all left him and fled. Thank God for Peter, right? Because he provides the one moment of connection with the disciples in this whole story, right? We see them, they just all, Peter throughout this entire story is going to be our guy, the one that I can identify with most strongly, right? If somebody comes to take my bishop, my leader, my teacher, I'm going to strike them with the sword, right? Even being formed by the Christian story since a baby, something about that just feels right. What you should do is you should fight those who come against you. And yet we know from the other gospel, what does Jesus do? His last miracle on earth is healing the guy's ear who came to crucify him. His last healing. That's pretty remarkable. And he tells Peter, right? Those who live by the sword die by the sword. This is not the way that my kingdom comes. That's a hint for what's going to unfold over these scriptures. This is not the way. So we see, let the scriptures be fulfilled, Jesus says, and they all fled. And what's the scripture, right? Strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. That's what we're told is referring here. All of Jesus's closest friends, those who literally hours before told him, we will die with you, Jesus. 
The band comes out to take them, and they disappear. Except this one guy. Let's, let's read about this guy in 51. And a young man followed him with nothing but a linen cloth about his body. And they seized him, and he left the linen cloth and ran away naked. So one guy, and we're told later it's John, right? John the beloved. John the heart is running after Jesus because his heart tells him, I can't abandon him. But even in that moment when his linen cloth is taken away, when he is naked, he is just like us in the garden, and they, he runs away naked and ashamed. That imagery of Adam and Eve hiding from God in the dark, the garden because they realize their nakedness, right? It's, it's all of us. All of us have abandoned Christ. All of us have fallen short. All of us are not good enough. That's the story today. Happy, happy day. <laughs> all of us are not good enough. Of course, the other side of it is he is good enough. All of us are not good enough. He is good enough. So they're bringing these false and contradictory testimonies, right? It's, it's a lynch mob. It really is. They've stirred everybody up. They have nothing against him. And so they're, they're contradicting themselves. It even says, it's like, this guy said this. This guy said that. They were contradicting themselves. But they didn't care. They didn't care about whether Jesus deserved to die. They knew he needed to die. A little hint. If anybody ever tells you that those people need to die for the world to be better, that's not Christianity. That's also not good. Right? Don't subscribe to the ideologies that say, oh, just get rid of these people and the world will come into its fullness. You got to break a few eggs to make an omelet. No. The only good ideology, the only good theology is I will die that the world may live. That's like the Christian message in a nutshell. And believe it or not, it doesn't just apply to Jesus. It applies to every one of us. That's the call. I will die that the world may live. We're following in the way of the cross here. All, this whole series, we've been talking about how Jerusalem is a picture of us and Jesus is coming in to confront and change and renew Jerusalem and the people... Today, I want you to focus on we are called to be like Jesus, right? So they're bringing up these false testimonies. And if you know me, I would be arguing my way out of this situation. And probably most of us too, because we hate to be falsely accused. We, there are certain things that we absolutely cannot stand. And being falsely accused is one of them. And yet here's Jesus's responses. The high priest stood stood up in the midst and asked, Have you no answer to make? What is it that these men testify against you? But he remained silent and made no answer. Again, the high priest asked him, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? And Jesus said, I am. And you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. And the high priest tore his garments and said, What further witness do we need? You have heard his blasphemy. What is your decision? And they all condemned him as deserving death. And some began to spit on him and to cover his face face and to strike him, saying to him, Prophesy! And the guards received him with blows. I'm reminded of when Jesus uh, is doing his ministry, and the disciples of John the Baptist come, and they say, Jesus, are you the Christ, the the Messiah, the one who is to come? And he goes, 
Look at this. Here, I'll just read it. Go, tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. And the deaf hear. The dead are raised up. And the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. This is what's happening. And the religious leader's response is to kill him. To beat him, shame him, and kill him. There's a saying, right? Seeing is believing. Well, that's not quite true, as we all know. The saying should say, believing is seeing. Because what you believe about the world determines what you're willing to see. And these religious leaders were already convinced that anybody who contradicts our authority is a blasphemer and deserves to die. And even Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead wasn't enough to overturn their previous misconceptions. That's a pretty hard challenge for us. Where do you believe something so strongly that even should God raise someone from the dead, you're going to stick to your guns. You know what you're doing. You've got this figured out. It humbles me. It convicts me. It scares me just a little. Luckily, I have some really great people around me who are very good at telling me when I have missed the boat, right? And that's a good recommendation. Seriously, I make a joke, but you should surround yourself with people that you're willing to let tell you when you've missed the boat because we aren't Jesus. And so we need help seeing what's going on in our life. Okay, so they are going to condemn him one way or another. He speaks the truth, they call it blasphemy, and they decide to crucify him for it. Let's move on this story. And as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came. Seeing Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, You also were with the Nazarene, Jesus. But he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you mean. And he went out in the gateway, and the rooster crowed. And the servant girl saw him and began to say to the bystanders, this man is one of them. But again, he denied it. And after a little while, the bystanders again said to Peter, certainly you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. But he began to evoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know this man of whom you speak. And immediately the crow, the rooster crowed a second time. And Peter remembered How Jesus had said to him, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And he broke down and wept. Once again, we all in our hearts go, because we know if we were in that circumstance, we probably would have done the same exact thing. They've already fled. They already didn't stand up to the Gestapo police coming to get them. They already bowed to the authority wrongfully accusing Jesus You think he's going to stand up now when he has an opportunity to be put right in the same position? No. Even Jesus' best friend saw him transfigured, walked on water, saw him raise Lazarus from the dead, proclaimed he was the Christ. Even he denied and rejected him. But this is maybe one of the more hopeful elements of my message today. Because that guy is the rock on which God built his church. Right? So even you who have known that Jesus rose from the dead, who have seen him shown up in your life, who have heard the truth, even you guys who have also fallen, rejected Jesus, been ashamed of him, not lived the witness the way that you should, even when you fall, you know that God's word for you is not void. 
Because Jesus spoke over Peter's life before this. You are the rock on which I will build my church. And after this, Peter was darn convinced that he had blown it and that the plans had changed. He knew, I'm certain, that God was going to pick a different rock. One that wouldn't break. But if you've been paying attention in this lesson, we had this prophecy that Jesus called forward and he talked about how he was the rock and on who, whoever fell on the rock of Jesus would be broken. And we had that great prophetic word that Jill brought about uh, when pottery is broken, you can actually use the ashes to remake a new jar. And that's what's happening in this story with Peter. In fact, he needed to be broken in order for God to make him the man that he had called him to be. So does that mean God caused him to do any sin or betray him? No, no, no. What I'm saying is Jesus, when he said, you're the rock on which I'll build that church, he knew that Peter was going to deny him. And he said, no, you need to know this word because even when you deny me, I will make you that rock. And what happens is all of a sudden, because of the way that Jesus restores Peter, it's the great priestly calling, right? Do you love me? Feed my sheep. He restores him. After this, in the resurrected time, what happens to Peter? Well, he has to be the rock who knows that he isn't the best. How do I say this better? He is the rock that is fully planted in Jesus's grace and ability. Because if Peter had just waltzed through this thing with flying colors, he would have started the church of Peter, worshiping Jesus Christ, right? This is my church. God gave me. I'm the rock. I was there first. I was the leader. No, 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 no. He needed to know that it was the church of Jesus Christ. And that he was merely a vessel for the goodness of God. A potter's clay. A jar that had been shattered and remade. What a hopeful thing for us. But I do have to ask, is the rooster crowing for you this Lent? Is there a a siren call right now from the Spirit saying, hey, you're not, you, you've fallen in these places. You have to do the hard work of recognizing where you fell, where you've fallen short, in order for God to bring you through into what he's called you into. Throw yourself on that rock. Be broken. Be remade. Die. Be resurrected. That's the path. This is the way, as they say, right? So they bring him before Pilate, and they say this awful thing, right? Everything they say is just so awful. But they basically tell Pilate, like, you need to judge him because we can't kill anyone. And the murder in their hearts is shown in that moment, right? They are not satisfied with humiliating him. They want his death. So this is the interaction with Pilate and Jesus. We're switching into John. For those of you people who are following along, we were in Mark. Now we're in John. Um, So Pilate entered his headquarters again. And called Jesus and said to him, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered and said, do you say this of your own accord? Or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priest have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting. That I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from this world. This is the thread we've been following throughout Holy Week, right? Because what's the big fear of the religious leaders? It's that Jesus is going to crown himself king of the Jews and 
he is going to violently take over the city. And he's going to take over their positions of authority and power. And the Romans are going to come and crush them utterly. Right? That's the big fear. There's also jealousy and other things going on. But that's the basic idea here. Little did they know that that's literally exactly what happened. Minus the Romans crushing them. Jesus did take over all authority in Jerusalem and in the whole world. And he was crowned king violently on the cross. And that's where this key verse comes in. My kingdom is not of this world. Listen, it's not cutting off the ear of the guy who's coming to fight me. It's not that. It looks like this. And every one of us who joined the church so we could be prosperous and wealthy and happy go, oh, shoot, I might be in the wrong place. Yes, God wants to bless you. He wants to resurrect you. But first, the death. Again and again and again. And we're always shocked every time. Wait, I have to die first? Okay, so the way of the cross, my kingdom's not of this world. Then Pilate says to him, so you are a king. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, what is truth? And walked away. He asked Jesus, what is truth? And then walked away without waiting for an answer. It's really, you know, we really get all tied up because, you know, the modern day is so dark and people don't know good from evil and all this stuff. It's the same problem. How many people out there are like, oh, sure, the Christians claim that they have the truth, but like, what is truth anyway? The postmodern question, right? Oh, no, what is truth? If truth falls apart, everything falls apart. It's been around forever. Are you God? That's the real question. That's what Pilate means. He means that there is no external authority that matters more than my judgment. What is truth anyway? I get to decide. You see this rampant in our culture. People who proclaim there is no such thing as truth. All religions are the same. What they mean is I get to decide how to do, live, and believe in my life. However I want. Everything is meaningless except for what I want. And what I believe. And we slip into it too. I was just talking to a Christian the other day. And he was talking about some of his friends who are not Christian. And he's talking to them. He's like, man, look at what God has done in my life. And they're like, okay. But like, you know, I I was pressing him, right? It's really not about the story he was telling. I was super stoked about what he's doing and reaching out to his friends with the news of the good news of Jesus, all of that. But I started asking him. I said, yeah, but what if a Muslim came up to you and said, Allah has changed my life. Don't you see? Or what if a Buddhist came up and said, look at my wonderful life. Don't you want to be a part of that? It's all because of Buddhism or Vishnu set me free from drug addiction. You know, whatever it is, what do you say? Well, what you say is Christianity is true, though. Christianity is true. Jesus actually lived, actually died, and actually rose from the dead that we might have life and life eternal. Yeah, it's great that your whole life is changed by God. In fact, that is the point, is that you might be transformed. But there are a lot of things that can change your life and maybe even seem like they're changing your life for the better. I, you know, it's like 
I've, I follow this program, and for $24.99, you can change your life too. That's a message on every street corner. So if you say, come join the church because it'll change your life, what they hear is, oh, reverse mortgages or some other scam, something, this work program, this diet, this whatever. No, come join the church because there really is a God who loves you. And I'm not just making that up. It's not my own truth. It is the truth. So Pilate goes to God himself and says, what is truth? And walks away happy that he solved that dilemma. Put him in his place. But you know what? Jesus says this interesting thing. Those who are of the truth hear my voice. And I was thinking about uh, Rowan, my wonderful son, who is just great, uh, has been having some issues with listening. Um, and so he'll be sitting there playing, and I will be literally from here to there from him, and I will say, Rowan, Rowan, Rowan David, Rowan David Harris, Rowan David Harris, who I will beat if you do not listen to me. Like, it's just this, this escalation, right? And I'm like, he's not listening to his father's voice. And so the whole point of this discipline with him is that we're asking him to learn to recognize his father's voice. In the same way, all of us have this problem, right? We have this problem with God where we get out in the world and there's voices everywhere and we don't know what is true. And we're so focused on what we're doing that we don't hear what God is saying. I've had to learn this really a lot in my job because Eric is like a Holy Spirit guy and he kind of runs the show. And so I walk in and I have my great opinion about what needs to happen. He goes, that doesn't sound right. You need to do this. It's like, all I want to say is let me do my thing. But I've learned over six years of working with him, you need to listen. When Eric says that doesn't sound right, you need to do this, it's the voice of truth. Now, he may get some things wrong. I don't know. I haven't seen it yet. But there is a possibility he could be wrong. But at the very least, I need to hear his voice, right? Sorry, I don't mean to embarrass you, Eric. But there's a real thing that each one of us needs to learn to hear the voice of truth. Okay, let's keep going because they're gonna, things are going to get worse. <laughs> Believe it or not. Okay. When the chief priest, oh, okay, sorry. Then Pilate took Jesus out. So what is truth? He turns away. He's like, okay, I got lost. Here we go. After he said this, he went back outside to the Jews and said, I find no guilt in him. But you have a custom that I should release one man for you at Passover. So do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. Let me just say, poor Barabbas, right? Like, this guy is just, this is who Barabbas is. He wanted to bring about a violent revolution so that the Jews could set themselves free from the Romans. That's who Barabbas is. He's not just a random guy who was stealing from people and killing people. No, he actually wanted a violent political revolution. That's what we're told elsewhere. And what's happening here is the religious leaders are saying, we'd rather have that than the way of the cross. We'd rather have a violent insurrection than submit ourselves to the authority of God and walk the way of the cross. The Christian kingdom, the Christian answer is just different. You know what Barabbas said? All those Romans have to die so that we can have our beautiful, wonderful world. You know what Jesus said? I will die so that you can have 
the beautiful, wonderful world. It's the same lie. And of course, the religious leaders are picking the one where they get to choose who dies. Right? All of this is kind of mixed up in there, and Barabbas gets this really bad rap, right? Because he gets traded out for Jesus. Uh, he was guilty. He was a murderer. He was a robber. He deserved to die. But it is kind of funny that we make fun of him every single time we read this story, right? Then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him. And the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns, put it on his head, arrayed him in a purple robe, and they came up to him and said, Hail, King of the Jews, and struck him with their hands. Pilate went out again and said to them, See, I am bringing him out to you, that you may know that I find no guilt in him. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, and Pilate said to them, Behold the man. I've got one point about this. Irenaeus tells us that the completion of the incarnation happened when Jesus died on the cross. The fullness of the revelation of God became man happened on the cross. Because that's the one place that no one else goes except humanity is death, right? Animals die, but it's not the same. Humans with our eternal souls that God created in his image enter into the realm of death. Jesus went there too, and the incarnation was complete in his death, right? When is your incarnation complete? In your death. When do you become fully human as God became human? In your death. Jesus has made our death the place of welcome and resurrection. So what have you to fear? What else have you to fear? And I think that means today and someday when you enter his kingdom. The same way that Jesus is sacrificed every Eucharist and 2,000 years ago. We can enter into the mystery of the incarnation every time we give up our will to God and we experience that death. Right? Okay. So Pilate's really confused. And he basically says, I'm going to skip this passage. Uh, I have the authority to kill you. Why aren't you defending yourself? And Jesus says, you have no authority here. Right? You have no authority. You can't do anything that isn't given to you from the Father. And that's the question of the cross. Who has the authority? Only God. And from the moment of the cross, when he's crowned as the king, they literally put a purple robe on him. They hailed him king of the Jews. They put the thorns on him. And they thought they were mocking him when they were proclaiming God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. From that point on, only Jesus has authority. From that conversation on, Pilate sought to release him. Guess what? He didn't have the authority to release him. Jesus already told him that, right? Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out, if you release this man, you're not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. And they knew they hit on that. That was the word that would get Pilate to kill this man. It's insurrection. He's setting himself against Caesar. So when Pilate heard these words, it was over. He brought Jesus out and sat down on the judgment seat at a place called the Stone Pavement and in Aramaic, Gabbatha. Now it was the day of the preparation of the Passover. And guess what? Our Passover was being prepared. Um, it was about the sixth hour. He said to the Jews, Behold your king. They cried out, Away with him, away with him. Crucify him. Pilate said, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, We have no king but Caesar. So he delivered him over to be crucified. That's, it's just so tragic, right? Because what they should be saying is, Crown him, crown him. King of kings, Lord of lords. And instead, crucify him. We have no king but Caesar. There's so much more there. 
Let's keep reading. So they took Jesus and he went out bearing his own cross to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him and with him two others, one on either side and Jesus between them. Pilate also wrote on the inscription and put it on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. And it was written in Aramaic, in Latin, and in Greek. So the chief priest of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write king of the Jews, but rather, this man said, I am king of the Jews. And Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. And so Jesus' coronation is announced to the whole world. It's just, it's so absurd. Like, put him on a throne, make the light shine like you did at the transfiguration, and show the whole world. And Jesus says, No, I'm dying on a cross. Hail to the king. Okay, we're skipping that part too. Everybody makes fun of him. They barter for his clothes. And then we're looking at this picture of the Pieta, right? And it's Mary holding the broken body of Jesus. And it just, the one thing I wanted to pull out of this uh, crucifixion narrative, there's several different versions. There's all sorts of things that happen. But I love the part where Jesus grabs John, who apparently has found his way back, right? Found his way back to the cross and he says, Mary, my mother, right? Behold your son. John, behold your mother. And it's like Jesus was also a son, right? I know that's so simple, but it's so profound. Jesus also wanted to honor his mom. You just think about the tragedy of Jesus who loved each and every person, and he's on his mom. Has to see him humiliated, broken, poured out. But he wants to comfort her in some ways. So he says, John, please take care of her. In Lamentations, it says, Is it nothing to you, all you who pass by? Look and see if there's any sorrow like my sorrow. And so... My question this morning is, have you ever been there? Have you ever thought, God's forsaken me? Nobody else has felt as sad as I feel. That's where Jesus is. At the very least, he's there. And we know that because he went there on the cross. He went there. So when he invites you into your own personal crucifixion, whatever they may, that may be, you're not doing it alone. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. That's what it means. He's there. And Easter is coming. And after this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there, and they put a sponge full of sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head, and he gave up his spirit. And so as we enter into Holy Week, remember that even your current suffering was finished on the cross. 
There is nothing that was not bought and paid for. No victory that was not won. And you are not alone. And Easter is coming. Amen? Amazing word. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven when was incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again according to the Scriptures and ascended in them and is seated on the right hand of the Father, and he shall come again with glory to judge the living and the dead whose kingdom shall have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, giver of life, who proceeds from the Father, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. And I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Since we have been given the Spirit of Christ, we belong to God. As such, we have the right and the responsibility to pray for all those in need. Therefore, let us bring our requests before Him. For the church, that she will be the light of Christ to a lost and dying world. Lord, in Your mercy. For nations ravaged by poverty, sickness, and war, that they will be delivered from their oppression. Lord, in your mercy. For those incapacitated or tormented by fear, that the peace of God will indwell in them richly. Lord, in your mercy. For those Christians who are persecuted for their faith. Lord, in your mercy. For those preparing for baptism and confirmation, that they will be empowered to live out their faith boldly. Lord, in your mercy for an outpouring of God's Holy Spirit and His gifts upon His people. Lord, in Your mercy. For those who have lost loved ones, that they will be comforted by the One who said, I am the resurrection and the life. Lord, in Your mercy. Amen. And with your spirit. Turning. Give your neighbor the peace. Peace the Lord. Peace the Lord. Good word. Peace the Lord. Peace the Lord.
The Lord be with you. With your spirit. Let me try that one more time. The Lord be with you. With your spirit. There are a lot of announcements. Oh, thank God. Look at this miracle. I can see. And now you can see them. <laughs> uh, there are a lot of announcements today, and I'm just going to ask you to keep your eye on the screen so you can see what's going on. Mark your calendars as appropriate. I'm going to mention a few things. Praise dance. Pay attention. That's important. Uh, that's on my list of things. If you're involved, be involved. Um, there is an egg hunt planned for Easter Sunday, and next Sunday is Palm Sunday. Yes. So if you're going to help, you need to bring your eggs next week. <laughs> okay? Bring your eggs next Sunday. That's important. Uh, ladies, your treat. You've got to get on the list by next week. This week is better. Um if you want to be baptized or know someone that needs to be baptized on the Easter vigil, you need to let me know right away. Amen. Um, and this Wednesday is fire night. Last chance. You want to be there. And there are others. So look closely. What? Wednesday. Fire night. You know, that was such a powerful word, Bishop. And this Amazing. This reading today in about Lazarus is like, there's like, we didn't read that far in the story, but there's these two things that Jesus says later that just really, you know, as Jesse was preaching, or like, um, later in the story, Jesus goes to the tomb and moves a stone away and he hollers, Lazarus, come out. And in the promise we got in Ezekiel, is he's going to say that to everybody, like someday, Jesus can say, Lewis, get out of there. That's right. Right? And that's, that's right. not just one day. That's like every day. And the Amen. reason that I feel like this, this word is so powerful to me as I'm thinking that is that the next thing Jesus said is help him. He's tangled up in these grave clothes. Help him get out of that. And that's, that's like a word for us, I believe, today and every day. And come out of there. And Amen. you need help. Amen. And you need to help each other. So let me just throw that out there. Amen. Praise be to God. As we prepare to receive the body and blood of Christ in the Eucharist, let us respond to God's word by engaging with him in musical worship and presenting to God our tithes and offerings out of that which God has given to us. Together, through Christ, let us continually offer to God the sacrifice of praise. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. But do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God.
made ready for those who love him and for those who want to love him even more. So you come. You who have much faith and you who have little, you who've been here often, 
you haven't been here long. You who've tried and you who failed, come because it's the Lord who invites you. It's his will that those who want him should meet him here. Come this morning to the table. The Lord be with you. With your Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Father, all powerful and ever living God, we do well always and everywhere to give you thanks through Jesus Christ our Lord. For you've given your children a sacred time for the renewing and purifying of their hearts, that freed from disordered affections they may so deal with the things of this passing world as to hold rather to the things that are eternally enduring. And so with the angels and the saints, we praise you as without end we acclaim. Jesus Christ. Before he was given up to death, the death he freely accepted. He took bread and gave you thanks, broke it, gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Later, when supper was ended, he took the cup and again he gave thanks and praise. He gave the cup to his disciples and he said, drink this all of you. This is my blood of a new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. Let us proclaim this mystery of faith. Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. In memory of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Father, this life-giving bread, this saving cup. We thank you for counting us worthy to stand in your presence and serve you. May all of us who share in the body and blood of Jesus be brought together in unity by the Holy Spirit. Lord, remember your church throughout the world. Make us grow in love together with our preacher, our Craig, and all of our clergy. 
Remember, especially those who are sick or infirmed in spirit, soul, or body. We hold up this day Susan and Naomi and Sonia and Sandra and Tammy and Karen and David, Lelina, Sandy, Sherry, Jonathan, the Marines and sailors at Camp Pendleton, all those serving in our armed services. Draw our hearts to remember the poor and the broken. And as we receive the body and blood of Jesus, may we be transformed to become the body of Christ to the world. Have mercy on us all. Make us worthy to share eternal life with the apostles, the martyrs, all the saints who've gone before us. May we praise you in union with them and give you glory through your Son, Jesus Christ. By him and with him and in him in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours. Almighty God and Father, now and forever. Jesus taught us to call God Father. We have courage to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. O Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. The gifts of God for the people of God, take them in remembrance that Christ died for you and feed on them in your heart with thanksgiving.
Savior, Jesus Christ. And you have fed us with spiritual food and the sacrament of his body and blood. Send us now into the world in peace and grant us strength and courage to love and serve you with gladness and singleness of heart. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in the battle and be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. Do thou, a prince of the heavenly host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who wander through the world seeking ruin for souls. Remember the gospel, God was in Christ Jesus reconciling the world to himself and not counting men's sins against him. He loves us, he's forgiven us, he's not mad at us, and he'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. The blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be amongst you, and may they always. Amen.